I'm Jason Brigitte. And I'm Sarah Gamitter. And you're listening to Fourth Wave Feminism, the podcast, where every episode, Sarah and I attempt to bring our different views on feminism into alignment. Because it's fun. It is super fun! <laughs> and we're so excited to be back. We've been away for some time, but we've been doing very productive things. Exactly. So, Jason, I think we should catch people up on some of the things that we've been doing because our lives have changed since last we recorded a podcast. Our lives have changed. I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico now, not in Chicago. And I'm married. I have a cat and a new job. <laughs> And those are all of the ways in which my life has changed. <laughs> which is a lot. It is. Um, Just I moving to live... Santa Fe would be enough to be yeah. a big change. Well, yeah. Um, I still live in Chicago. I also have a wife now. But maybe I had a wife before. Well, you, didn't... you got married. I also yes, got married. I... Yes. Um, so I got married. I finished my master's degree, which is great. I now have a master's degree in public policy. So Sarah's no longer over-educated throughout <laughs> our... <laughs> we are now equally educated, sort of, but not exactly, clearly. Well, and it's, uh, I think your, your master's degree in public policy has given you a new appreciation of the value of real statistics versus made-up numbers. It honestly has, and I am now, and you know, I've said this to you before, but I'm afraid that 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 reality is going to be problematic for our podcast because I feel like something I've always brought to the table is a valuable ignorance and <laughs> irrationality that perhaps has been damaged by statistical by your training. further education. Yeah, like. I don't think we have as many real numbers available as I was able to make up. Uh, that is probably true, <laughs> but I think that that will only improve our conversations. I'm not concerned. All right. I think we're going to be okay still. Well, I hope so, but I am ready, and please keep an eye out, because if I need to be replaced with someone <laughs> who is still productively ridiculous, then I will understand. And I will okay. happily, happily give up my chair in the booth. Oh, but I'd be sad. I know, I'd be sad too. I'm going to try to continue to hold outlandish positions, you know? I'm sure I'm still ignorant about s some things. I'm sure you are too. <laughs> I think your ignorance on certain topics is an un... un plumbed well. <laughs> we need not worry about it drying up anytime soon. All right. <laughs> and I say that with love. An underground river of ignorance. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. So, today's episode is about men's rights activists, which is nice. It's nice to come back and be able to discuss those others who are working toward a gender equal society alongside <laughs> us. Isn't it? Yes, so uh, <laughs> men's rights activists uh, and men's rights movements, which are popularly 
uh, what's the word? They're not an, it's not an acronym, right? Because it doesn't spell anything. Oh, uh, I don't But you know. probably will yeah. see MRA or MRM in discussions about men's rights activists and men's rights movements, and that's what it's referring to. Yeah. Those abbreviations. So, uh, for yes. anyone who doesn't know what those are, I will give a quick overview. Um, so, they're basically, I mean, Sarah, you probably know more of the history piece to this, but they like kind of came around in the 70s, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. Yes, as a reaction to second wave feminism. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, and the premise was that men were saying, hey, wait a minute, there's lots of like ways in which men are oppressed in society as well. Mm -hmm. And so they've come up with this, uh, here's a list kind of of things that they feel like are of concern in ways in okay, which well, that... Right. Before you get to that, I do feel like we should say that there was... So in the 70s, there was an initial response to feminism that was, hey, men are being oppressed too. We can learn from the feminist movement. We can kind of join in and add on. Okay. And so there, there was a certain amount of, of kind of picking up the men's side of the feminist um, cause... And then there was the kind of the the more extreme reaction to that of second wave feminism is changing our world so much that we as men feel that we're losing things. So there was the reaction that was the re the reaction to join and the reaction to move away or to counter. Uh -huh. And so what what we know currently in 2015 as men's rights activists and men's rights movements is much more of the reaction away than the reaction to join. Interesting. So there was a guy who started off as a reaction to join guy and then over the years have be, has become kind of the figurehead of the, the MRAs, the MRMs, the reaction away. So yeah, so that's really interesting. I did not know about the join versus the retail, you know, sort of like counteract. Um, yes. Well, that cuts right to the heart of the fourth wave, I think. Um, which, you know, like in terms of is this something that costs men? You know, does the fourth wave of feminism cost men? Um, right. You know, privileges or what have you. So uh, some of the things that they have concerns about you know, according to the internet, which is MRA headquarters, uh, are the... <laughs> it really is. Yeah, this primarily exists on the internet. <laughs> uh, they talk about the elevated rate of suicide for men, educational discrimination against boys, economic and workplace conditions for men, violence against men, false rape reporting that women do against men, Father's rights and custody battles. That's a big one, father's rights. Rates of male imprisonment and prison conditions. And then, of course, the military and war and the role of men as soldiers. So those are some of the, the cornerstones, I guess you could say. The current men's rights movement hot-button issues. Warren Farrell, he was, he's considered... Uh, at one point, he was considered a feminist, and Gloria Steinem was all about him, and then as he kind of, as, as he, he grew and changed and evolved, he became 
really the spearhead of our, our present day men's rights activists, men's rights movements. And then you have people who are like even further without, who are even further out without the backstory of once upon a time being closer. People like Paul Elam, who founded A Voice for Men, which is a major kind of online presence and newsletter for the men's rights activists. All right. So now we can, I mean, I feel like that covers where we've been and the, the all you need to know to have a discussion about the men's rights activists. And so now let's discuss, how is the world now? One of the questions that I've, you know, kicked around is like, how, how big is this movement, you know, like now versus how big is the feminism movement, you know, because they do seem to be like the, you know, mirror images right. of each other, sort of. I mean, obviously not entirely. Yes. And it, it's, it can get, be hard to get a sense of how big it is because the men's rights activists and men's rights movements can feel disproportionately vocal within a conversation. So you can get this impression that it's this big thing because it can take over a conversation, but it could just be two or three people taking over a conversation. So I feel like one of the things of, you know, kind of where we are now, things that we kind of need to, to bring up and highlight are things like Gamergate, where you had, um, what is her name, Anita Sarkeesian, uh, who wanted to do the the web series about female tropes in video games and was just ganged up on by all of these trolls and men's rights activists and and people who were really attacking her saying that you know she had no place in this men's sphere that she was kind of ruining the fun of the gaming world and it became its own thing this uh, where you know she was threatened and the places where she was going to appear were threat, you know, violent threats were made against the organizations that were sponsoring her. So that's one outlet for this, for the, the men's rights activists where we hear a lot about them is in response to something like that. So in response to women trying to make a point about where they're missing from a conversation, you'll have MRAs coming in and saying, you're trying to take something away. You don't belong here. This is our this is our thing. You don't you're you're not legitimate, so we don't have to listen to you. And not only do we not have to listen to you, but we're going to threaten you with you know physical and sexual harm. That felt like a tangent, but it is part of. I I feel like it's part of where the talking about like where are we now? I feel like you can't talk about where are we now without talking about all of the forums. And again, a lot of them are online where. You try to have a conversation about something. You try to, like Anita Sarkeesian, you try to point out the deficiencies within a specific realm. And then MRAs come in and pile on and say, ah, you can't do that. We hate you. I hope horrible <laughs> things happen to you. Ah. Well, so I, I agree. Like, I think that the Internet makes it hard because it, it like, sort of, takes this idea of saying, like, what is the reality versus what is, like, the perception, you know? So, like, so many of us, like, have, like, actual, you know, like, this this woman with Gamergate and everything, like, she had a real online experience, you know? Like, like that was actual time in her life, and she's getting actual, like, attack, you know, like, these threats and stuff, and having to cancel events and everything. Like, so it is very real, even though it's, like, 
it could just be a handful of terrible people, you know, or like a handful comparatively, like it might just be like 100,000 or 200,000, which like right. in the big scheme of things, isn't that many people. And yet that's enough people to, um, I don't know, warrant our discussion, you know? So, so, so I know that there was some reporting on like a, a live meetup that they had where like a thousand people showed up. And oh, Detroit. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. But it wasn't a thousand. Was it a thousand people? Okay. So there was, um, when was this? The first international conference on men's issues was held in suburban Detroit in, uh, some, at some point in 2014. Okay. I believe. Um, and so for this convention, 200 participants, sorry. For this convention, 200 participants pre-ordered tickets. So that's 200 people for an international convention. Okay. Uh, and then there's unclear information about how many people actually showed up. The event was held in a suburban VFW outpost. Okay. So that gives you a sense of a size of a thing. <laughs> so not super large. So maybe not a thousand attendees. Yeah, I, I, it <laughs> seems like probably not a thousand attendees. But that's, you know, again, it calls itself an international conference on men's issues, but it was held here in the United States. And I think we should also point out that there are men's rights movements in other countries that are that are, are significant, like India has a significant men's rights movement, um, and being a highly populated country with a lot of, as with many places, a lot of problematic things going on as far as kind of you know a patriarchal society that's that's being modernized in certain ways, that's being challenged in certain ways. So um, India, I think um, in various countries in South America, you also have, have kind of fledgling and growing men's rights movements that I think, you know, we can't ignore. So just looking at the, you know, the 200 people who came to Detroit or who pre-ordered tickets for Detroit doesn't, and that I think would be easy to say like, oh, it's a handful of crackpots. Right. Who cares? Globally, it's something that's definitely happening that needs a certain amount of attention. Okay. Now, the, the question becomes, like, is the attention that it needs, these are crackpots, how can we shut them down? Or these are people with some legitimate issues, how can we fold in their legitimate issues without being contaminated by their crazy issues? <laughs> Thanks. But So here's why I feel like it's, the discussion I want to have is because there is some of these issues that they, you know, would like to see the MRAs or the MRMs, they would like to see, you know, gender equality, like ostensibly. So I feel like, oh, well, we want that too, you know? And so like, how do we want the world to be, you know? Because like, <laughs> the, it seems like the world as it is, is that you have feminism and it's having its first wave and then it's having its second wave. And that and it's third wave, and it's fourth wave, and, and it's intersectional wave, and many waves. Yeah, and the, and so like it's you were saying the second wave in the seventies sort of spurred off a lot of these feelings where you know these men's groups were saying like, hey, we want that too, and other men were saying, hey, you're taking stuff away, you know. So like that seems to be 
where we are now and that those groups those men's groups are still like that they have sort of surfaced to the the public level again you know i never heard about them until recently and so i feel like all right let's like talk about them on the podcast you know like that is the world as it is now right yes yes here they are men's rights activists men's rights movements are definitely part of the public conversation and part of the feminism conversation and that yeah means, yeah okay all right so now we can move on to our next section how do we want the world to be this is a place where we can like look at those because you had your list of men's rights issues right yeah and so I think here's a place where we could like go down that list and say, because there are some things where I would say like, and there are some grievances that, that MRAs bring up that I'm like, yeah, that's what we want too. We're not on opposite sides of that. Like feminism is not what is standing in the way of you getting that thing you want. Feminism is in fact the way that you're going to get that <laughs> thing that you want. Feminism is the reason that you realized that you want that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all of the, the, the things uh, about um, the way that men are constricted by a patriarchal society, the way that you know, men are told that they need to be strong, that they need to be the breadwinners, that, you know, that they're not supposed to have feelings, all of those things where you know, men are now saying, hey, I, you know, I want equal parental rights. I, you know, I, I can be a good, I can be as good a parent to my children as a mother. Like, there's no reason why being a mother makes you a better parent than being a father. Yeah. And I think feminists would say, yeah, exactly. We want that too. Yeah. Feminism is not what is standing in the way of you getting parental rights. So... Okay, so it sounds like, you know, if we take our sort of MRM people, right? Mm -hmm. And we say, like, okay, everyone who's on board with, like, joining feminism on this side of the room, and then everybody who feels like you need to counteract feminism go to that side of the room, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, look, I'm ready to make up a number. Let's say okay. that, like, okay, 20... Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Since Master we are, Jason, yeah, I'm back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say 25% of the, of the men in our club go and say, like, we're ready to join up with feminism, you know, uh -huh. in 2015, like, never mind the past, who cares? Just today we ask them and they say 25% are like, yeah, let's get, let's work on gender equal custody rulings and let's try to achieve a gender equal suicide rate, you know? <laughs> However, yeah, and you let's, do that. Ha let's break down those stereotypical gender roles so that, you know, just as women are breaking out of this idea that they're supposed to be passive and emotional, men can break out of this, you know, gender stereotype that they're supposed to be stoic and uh, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so maybe that, like, those folks, let's say, are on board with saying, like, if I cannot, you know, have to act aggressive, maybe that would, like, equalize the prison population, you know, that was one of the things, like, why are all these men in prison, you know, and all these women are not, so many <laughs> fewer women, so maybe that's, like, 
not just, you know, uh, sexist judges or sexist police officers arresting people. Maybe like <laughs> those rates of crime really are different um, between the genders. And, and there's female yes, and men's rights yeah. activists as well. We so, you know, we have a mixed gender women. group here. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So 25% of these folks, they're like, okay, we want to sign up being part of feminism. And then 75% are saying we need to counteract feminism. So like in our perfect world, how do like, is our goal to get all 100% to sign up with the joining feminism? Or is our goal to get the 25% and harness their ideas and then also to get all the feminists to say like, okay, let's pay no more mind to those remaining others, you know, those yeah. who are out to counteract us. Like, do we need to like engage them at all? Or are we trying to rope them into our, our agenda, our feminist agenda? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm saying yes, I understand, not yes, we need to rope them in. Because I don't think, look, we to, we've talked a lot about how fourth wave feminism or, you know, humanism or whatever, like the advancements in social justice are good for everyone. Yes. And I think that there are some people that, are not going to, just like there are some people who deny that climate change is happening, just like there are people who are, you know, firmly of the literal interpretation of the Bible um, mindset, I think that there are people that you are ne never going to be able to persuade in the abstract. You have to get the world to the place, and they will either catch up or they will be grumpy until they die. <laughs> okay. How about this? I feel like I will contend, and I'm giving us a lot of credit here because mm -hmm. I think we're incredible. So I feel like we could take at least 5%. I think it's a lot higher, but I want you, you know, I'm trying to put out something that you could say like, okay, I'll give you 5%, Jason. Okay, that okay. we could bring 5% of those people to All our right, if cause. I, grant, I will grant your premise, 5% of people could be persuaded. Okay, 5% of these. I'm talking persuaded with, with logic and argument. Oh, no, I'm saying, like, with every tool in our toolbox, like, we can give them money, we can, like, <laughs> sail them around the world, we can, you know, create a false environment, like, kidnap them and, like, Truman show their experience <laughs> so that they're, like, steeped in a world of possibilities. Like, so I'm saying, like, not just logic. Forget logic. Logic, as you have pointed out, is only a sometimes tool. Like, I'm saying using the full range of our creativity, I think we could get 60%. I think, you know, as great as I think we are, I think 15% we're just not going to get. <laughs> Those people, <laughs> even we can't move. But 60%, I think we could. But you would say 5%. What about the other 25%? Well, that's going to be my next question. But my first question oh, okay. is, what do we do with the 75%? Like, do we want to dedicate any of our resources to bringing them on the bus? Because there's I a good chance. No. You say no? 
I say no. All right. So then what do we do with the 25%, the joiners? Um, in our I perfect think, world. In our perfect world. Um, I think we find our areas where we are in agreement, where we're working, where we want the same thing. And again, like I don't know how much energy we spend saying, hey, we want the same thing. I don't think we need to spend any with the joiners. I think, I feel, for me, I feel like the joiners are the people we need to listen to. Because I think that they're the ones bringing things to the table that we would not have thought of otherwise, you know? But I think we've already thought of the things. I think they're thinking of the things that we're, it sounds so, it's so abstract and complicated. <laughs> I think they are thinking of the things that we've already thought of as if they're different things, but they are the same thing. Do you know but, what I mean? I think like the people who are saying, hey, I want to be able to do this, as if that's not what we're also saying. And like that's not saying. bringing anything yeah. new to the table. We want that too. I'm trying to think of like a, a good specific example. So if you, okay, so take the issue of domestic violence. Okay. So this is, this is something that's big for the, the MRMs, like this idea that Domestic violence where women are abusing men is more prevalent than people give it credit for. Okay. There is more shame for them. Like it's harder for the men in those situations to come forward and say, my wife, my wife is abusing me. And yet all the attention on victims of domestic violence is on women. Do you, so yeah. that, that's like a legit issue where men who are victims of domestic violence are disadvantaged in the current system that tries to treat domestic violence because so much more of the attention is on women. You have women's shelters. There are not so much like... So if you're a man who's a victim of domestic violence and you want to get out of that abusive uh, environment, you can't go to a women's shelter. Right there may not necessarily be a place for you to go to. So that's definitely an issue, serious issue. I can totally agree that it's important, that it's a problem, but until domestic violence as a whole gets the focus and attention and the money and the resources that it needs, that imbalance is going to remain because we've got to focus on where the fire is the biggest. Now, okay, let me ask two follow-up questions to that. Okay. Question one, do you think that this imbalance of resources for victims of domestic violence being skewed towards women is a product of feminism? That's an interesting question. Um, like, e yeah. Yes. Yes, so, I think it's So in a way, like, if somebody were to believe that men were receiving you know, unequal access to resources, they would be justified in blaming feminism for that? But here's the thing. It's not like before feminism, men who were victims of domestic violence had it better. They just have it equally as bad. It's gotten better for women, not better for men. Ah, now that, see... That's the kind of logic I think would work on people because you're right. Like, you're not saying like, oh, because of like the, the accusation would be because of feminism, women are having better resources than men. 
you would say, because of feminism, women have resources at all, and men still don't. Yes, exactly. Because, so prior to feminism, in the sphere of, you know, domestic violence, women had no resources. Right. They were, you know, there was a time and places, and there still are times and places, where a woman who's a victim of domestic violence would be told, like, hey, that's... That's what happens. He hits you because he loves you. Your duty is to stay with your children. Like, this is why I'm saying, like, that 25% who are going to come and bang the drum and advocate for the minority in this situation. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where I think that, like, not only, like, is feminism, you know, I would say the fourth wave is supposed to cover them. Like, they're, you know, under our coverage of, like, you're insured with the fourth wave for that problem. Totally agree. And that, like, to me, like, prioritization does not need to occur in this case. I mean, like, you could say, oh, we only have enough money to build, like, a women, like, building a women's shelter versus a domestic violence shelter seems like not a fourth wave move. You know what I mean? Like, I think we would have a domestic violence shelter. Like, I don't know much about the psychology of domestic violence and recovery and all that, you know, but I know that in the era of trans populations and homosexual relationships and you know, women abusing women and men abusing men. Like, the whole idea of being, like, men can't come into this space because this is where victims of domestic violence are doesn't, like, add up for me anymore. And, like, I mean, not that I ever thought about it, I guess, but it doesn't seem to add up from what I understand, you know? Right. You know, and and I agree with you, but I, be- I believe that there are women who are victims of domestic violence who are in a f- such a... F- fragile place where they would feel threatened by the the presence of a man within that sphere. That's not to say that that fear should be honored or you know that that fear or that 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 sense of danger should be honored over that man's need for a place for shelter. I am just saying yeah. I don't think you could blanketly say like there will be no such thing as a women's shelter because you're just not allowed to be afraid of men. Yeah, it's like not- you said, you had here here's a world with no resources and thanks to some hardworking brave feminists, you know, now there's women and children's shelters and like that's great. And I think it's appropriate that men would feel like, hey, what about like I'm abused? I would like a men's shelter. And so I think that, like, the fourth wave can solve that problem, you know? Like, I think we got to be able to say, like, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We definitely have blind spots. Like, I don't think we've thought of everything. And, like, we need need that voice at the table. And I think that, like, this, like, helpful joiner voice is useful to us because it isn't throwing rocks and trying to, you know, like... Yeah, and and I totally agree that we also need to not throw rocks. Like, we also need to say, your issue is too small for us to think about exactly. right now. Your yeah, that's what I'm... Yeah, because I would... It's yeah. not important when it is something that is... Leg- you know, and again, now you get into, like, when it's something is that is legit. Because there are also, just as there are totally <laughs> legit people saying there are men who are victims of domestic violence, totally true. There, There's also that segment that's saying, like, there are false reports of rape. And we know statistically, whatever, that's like, you know, one or two percent. That's tiny. Like, that's a thing where I do feel like we can say, 
that's not really an issue right. that needs to be addressed at this point when the bigger issue is the 98% right. of real reports of women and men who are victims of sexual assault and what we do about it. Like, that's where we get into, like, a prioritization issue where I feel like you could say, like, you know what, false reports, not that big an issue. Right. And, that, and that's not because it's a men's issue. It's because it's an insignificant... It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's putting a cart before the horse and, like... You know, like, we want to solve both problems. Like, we want to support victims of sexual assault, and we want to prevent false reports and support people who have been wrongly accused. Like, we want to support both of these populations. But, like, yeah. we it's cannot... The, the size of those Yeah, we can, if we're going to do one at the expense of the other, we're going to do this one. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I don't think that's because it's a men's issue. But, I mean, you know, that's where you get yeah, no, men who might say that not. that is, you know. Um, all right, so do you feel like we have a how, how we would like the world to be? Yeah, we're going to ignore the crazy people, not spend effort trying to get people on the bus because we don't need them. They'll, they'll, we will, they will be won over by progress. <laughs> they will be won over by progress or they'll be grumpy until they die. And that's, <laughs> that's right. Those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get on to how do we get there? How do we get there? As always, that is the question. Well, I think that part of how we get there is being more conscious and aware of, I mean, I, I think it comes back to intersectionality, a conversation that we will also have. <laughs> but, you know, consciously being aware that our perspective is not the only perspective, it's not the only right perspective, and having enough voices at the table. And, and I'm trying to think of a way that doesn't sound like, you know, like I am in charge of this committee and I'm going to make sure to stock the seats with enough people so that I can make the correct decisions. Because it's not about like me being in that position, me as the, you know, hetero, cis, woman, white, feminist, making sure that I, you know, do all these things, it's, it, it needs to be, like, more inclusive and less top, I'm doing all kinds of gestures <laughs> to try and explain my point, that are not coming across audibly, but it's, like, each of us as individuals taking personal responsibility for checking our privilege and, and seeking out those perspectives that are not our own and being open to them. So if you're, like in a concrete way, if you're having a conversation within your community about we need to open a domestic violence shelter, each of us as individuals saying, okay, what does that mean? Who are we trying to protect? How, you know, what is the most amount of people that we can serve? What's the most like variety of people that we can serve versus the easiest right. cross-section of people that we can serve. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other... of not thinking about what other people can do in order to get there. Right. You know, like, well, if other people would just stop disagreeing, if other people would just stop yeah. um, jerks, 
that's how we're going to get there. It's like, what can I do from my perspective? What can I do to get us there? And, I th and some of it, I think, might be not engaging with the crackpot fringe. Yeah, that's exactly my advice. Because I feel like when it comes to the MRAs, right, like, and especially I think the way we've captured it here in our discussion, I mean, like, I think we've distilled it down very cleanly. I think that with that division, like, there's this moment where you could hear something from a men's rights activist, right, whether they're, like, identified or not. And, like, you know, I think there's some people out there who will say, like, just disregard that utterly. And I think there's other people who will say, like, oh, well, let's, like, give that due consideration, you know? Like, I'm in the due consideration camp, and I think that my advice is, like, how we get there, I think everybody needs to, like, when this comes down the pipe and you're in front of a comment or an idea or something from an MRA, there's this decision moment where you have to identify this idea as being, like, useful or to, you know, the fourth wave or the cause or the future or, like, quality or just some anger that is that like angry backlash. And I think yeah. it's important to like roll it around for a, a quick second and decide, is that just angry backlash or is there something useful there? And it's probably just angry backlash, but if it is something <laughs> useful, then we need to like keep it in mind, you know? Like it has to be rolled in because that's like, that is us, like that's what we're doing. Like those ideas and those different perspectives are what we need to you know, the, what the movement needs to, to chug along successfully. So for me, and this is kind of an action step, I guess, it would be to, like, have those moments and say, make that call, and then, like, f triage it sort of accordingly. <laughs> and so, like, for me, like, very concrete action step would be, if you, you know, you read a comment and it offends you, I would say, like, donate $1 to Planned Parenthood, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and file it, like, unnecessary. Like, don't respond. Like, you don't have to, like, engage. We're not trying to bring those people on the bus. Like, just ignore it. Send a dollar to Planned Parenthood or put a dollar in a jar, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that, didn't Dan Savage do something like that? Oh, did with he? I'm there, flattered. I, think, I oh, remember that's, like, my best story idea about, like, Dan Savage. <laughs> someone was, like, was trolling him on, like, his his personal Twitter or something and, you know, you know, was saying something horrible to him about, you know, any of the number of the specific issues. Um, and I, I think it was Planned Parenthood. I think he wrote back and said, every time you send me an offensive comment, I'm going to make a $10 donation to Planned Parenthood. And then they'd like troll back and he'd be like, now it's 20. <laughs> and, you know, and just like not engaging, but saying your your you are doing this. Yeah. Your speech is giving money to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So keep it up, Mister. <laughs> but if there's an idea that you do like, wouldn't it be cool if here's a strong idea? <laughs> if it's an idea that you say like, oh, that just came from an MRA. I thought about it, and I think that's good for us. I would say like, re do reaffirm that for that person. You know and say like, nice call, or thanks for bringing that perspective, I totally agree, or you know, like, like something that sort of like isolates that so that you can sort of like produce this, this give and take, you know, to try to like really parse out the difference between we're seeking gender equality, and we're having a backlash against something that 
we feel excluded from or harmed by. Right. But not, like, here's, like, a non-action step would be, like, spend time trying to educate those people as to why feminism isn't guilty or be offended by what they say or try to hurt their feelings back. You know, just, yeah, the not engage approach, basically. Yeah. And I, I think there also needs to be some, you know, because the reason that, the reason that we're even talking about MRAs and MRMs, in spite of their being small, is that whole but vocal part. And right. so we need to counter, not counter as in like respond directly to them, but we need in our own ways to be organized, to be vocal, to not let that voice be the only voice in the conversation. And I've been and I've been trying to think through like so you know what does that mean? And you know and I think it means kind of like the general things about like when you have so you know if you have like some specific instance of MRAs attacking a, a bill or a person being, you know, being a positive voice towards, you know, promoting that cause or that bill or that person. Do you know what I mean? I'm tr- I, this, I this do, is one yeah, the, that's a tricky one, though, because, like, we're, if we're saying don't engage, but we're also saying don't silently, because my advice would be, like, just don't say anything, but you're right, like, if all the reasonable people I'm like, don't I'm say anything... Like the, yeah, like, if you if you have, like, the, the uh, Anita Sarkeesian who's getting you know, trolled and attacked, like, to come to her support, not in saying, like, yeah, those guys are assholes. Right. Those guys are assholes. <laughs> but saying, hey, Anita, I believe in what you're trying to do. I think it's awesome. Yeah. There it is. So, yeah, reaffirm, just basically, how about this? We can say, always, you know, reaffirm the position that you have. How about that? So that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that you can, like, reaffirm if somebody says something and you've considered it and you say, like, I like that, you can reaffirm that. And if, you know, whether that person's an MRA or not. But, yeah, because that's good advice for me. I, you know, I don't do a lot of internet commenting ever. Like, I am the silent majority, you know. <laughs> um, but I think that... Well, the thing is that we have too much of the, si- of the silent majority. Like, on so many issues, like, the amount of the public who are actually are like, yeah, I support Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I think climate change is really happening. Right. Ooh, this is an interesting is action not... step. Yeah, to, so I would have to stop being the silent majority. Can I just get, just, I know this is probably my privilege talking, but can I have, like, a pass so that I, <laughs> I like, don't have to feel bad if I never do that? Because... <laughs> Like, am I, like, letting down the world by not commenting on the internet? (laughs) Well, I would say, like, so, like, someone says something and some internet troll comes in and says, you know, I hope you die. Like, (laughs) you don't come in and say, well, I hope you die. Right. You know what I mean? Like, not engaging with the I hope you die person, but engaging with the person who is being attacked and saying, keep up the good work. I've got your back. I think you have good ideas, I support you, be strong, you know, whatever. So that it doesn't devolve into, I, I hope you die. I hope you die worse. I hope right. you die in a fire. <laughs> I hope your insides explode. <laughs> are, 
the road to the place where we want to be does not necessarily go through those people. Exactly. And it, they don't it goes where it goes and those people will like get to the road or they won't. And they're welcome to join the bus. We hope they get on the bus. They know where to find the bus. But we're not going to drag them onto the bus. We're not going <laughs> to stop the bus and be like there's no point in going any further without you. Like that's not exactly. our situation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, no, the bus can get there without them. Yes, and it will. And that is our plan. So, we see them. <laughs> We're like, we're going to be at that stop. Meet us there if you care to join. That's fine. But so I do think that one of my ideas might still be worth discussing. And it would be, I mean, okay. I'm saying like in a future episode. Okay. And it would be to rebrand and rename feminism. Yes. I think that is a topic for a whole other episode. I mean, yeah. that whole question of like the branding of feminism and how feminism is perceived by different generations and different sect sections. Yeah, of and MRAs, like, they would be like, hey, man, what about us? And you're like, feminism covers you. Like, your ideas, that's what feminism is. And they're like, no, feminism's preventing this, you know? Right, and so there, yeah, so there is a, the potential that, uh, you know, rebranding or re- Either like a rebranding of feminism or a renaming of what feminism is wants to accomplish. Yeah, when we have our intersectionality conversation, I mean, there's so much to talk about there and like how things are named and, you know, perceptions of feminism. There's this whole thing. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, right. we'll get Well, then we're done. Okay, so, so thanks for listening, everyone. We welcome comments. Yeah. This, can't, this has to be a conversation not just between Sarah and Jason, but Sarah and Jason and the people who are listening. And, and or not, I mean, no, whoever. No, we, we have quite a few listeners, actually. Um, we were, Shocked, considering yeah. our frequent um, production of material. Hey, you know, it's timeless. That's the thing. <laughs> it's actually very tied to time. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we were uh, broadcast on the radio in Australia, which is the coolest thing in the whole world. Uh, yeah, it's super exciting. So, so lucky wait. you, Australia. <laughs> so these days, how do, people, how do people engage in conversation with us? What are the ways these days that people can send us... Just, their comments or thoughts or suggestions. Yeah, comment on iTunes, or you can still email the theater company, newsuittheater at gmail.com. And that's theater spelled R-E at the end. R-E at gmail.com. And that will get to us. And somebody did email us, so we should uh, talk about their email in the future. But since this was our comeback episode and we got to get our feet wet again, you know, I felt it's like... It's so true. Yeah. Oh, and so one more thing to add at long last. Uh, we will be doing a Hillary episode, so prepare your That's appetites for the Hillary episode. Yes. Why do you say it like that? Because it's awesome. Because it's going to be awesome. The Hillary episode? You weren't saying 
doing it. Like it was awesome. You're like, we're gonna do a Hillary episode. No, like, that was me to. being super excited. That's that was my. Why are you saying? <laughs> okay. It's gonna yes, be I'm the best. The Hillary episode might be the best episode we ever do. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know what can high heels. Yeah, it might be better than high heels. All right. All right. That's so something to aspire to. We'll leave it. All there. right. So anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you.